Welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome back to Personal Power for the Common Good. It's the podcast where we explore the bonuses and the barriers that come with each stage of human development. We find ways to sidestep those barriers on the way to authenticity and learn how to help others do the same. This podcast episode is dedicated to Maddie J.T. Stepanek, child poet, author, global citizen, and peace advocate. Maddie left his unique and impactful mark on the world through a number of best-selling books in a heart song series, collections of his poetry that he began as an elementary age child. Maddie died as a young teenager from a rare form of muscular dystrophy. Yet despite what he called the pebbles and boulders on the road, he found ways to celebrate the gifts of life, even in the darkest of times. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen, an adult educator and human rights advocate. I'm here with my good friend, colleague, and coach, Diane Amelia Reed. Hi, I'm Diane Amelia Reed, a college and career advisor, social justice advocate, and personal transformation consultant. Stacy and I are absolutely delighted to have you with us for this fifth, yes, fifth episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. So welcome back, or if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are glad you're here. Personal Power for the Common Good is a podcast for everyone who is in relationship, you know, uh, somehow connected to other people. This is for anyone who gives care, whether it's care to a child, an elder, maybe a neighbor, whether personally or professionally, and especially for those who want to give care to themselves. So, turns out our target audience is you, and by extension, anyone whose life you touch. This episode is brought to you by Shine, the Mindset Mastery Workshop series that helps you become the you that you are meant to be. Our focus is through the lens of eight key developmental stages developed by Eric Erickson that are widely accepted in Western industrial societies, you know, pre-birth, infancy, toddlerhood, and on through our final days. And like the identity, identity boxes we discussed in episode one, the concept of dividing one's lifespan into age range periods is a social construction, and it does vary by culture. In the fourth episode of Personal Power for the Common Good, we examine the preschool stage of human development from three to five years old, when children transition from complete dependence as infants and toddlers to the emergence of autonomy and free will, while demonstrating their newly found power of initiative how others respond to that initiative makes a difference on how they continue to cultivate their independence, their power within. As we reiterate in each episode, developing greater self-awareness requires taking the time to pause the daily grind of life and give yourself the gift of self-reflection. Of course, this is not always easy to do in the midst of the to-do lists, the commitments, and so on. But there is great value in making the time. 
we shared the preschool perception exercise as a guide. If you have developed deeper insights from that exercise, we encourage you to share your thoughts on our website's discussion board. Now, some people avoid deeper self-awareness because it can sometimes allow buried thoughts or feelings or memories to emerge, and these can feel scary or you know, seriously difficult to navigate. Well, to help soothe that discomfort, we also share ways to self-nurture as we go. You can click through our previous episodes for self-care ideas. And, and listeners, if you have great self-care ideas to share with the PP4TCG fam, please, please post them on the discussion board at personalpowercommongood.com. In today's episode... We focus on the early elementary school ages of six to nine. Now, this can be a child's first introduction to the real world. You know, the world outside of home when strange adults and unknown peers begin to judge our worth in a variety of ways. Five days a week for six to seven hours a day. <laughs> kind of like the modern work week for many of us. Now, to get your mental juices flowing on today's topic, consider this question. Are you still carrying around that early external judgment in your psyche, your head, your heart, your body, your mind? Now, Eric Erickson identifies this stage as the struggle of industry versus inferiority. His age range for this stage is defined as five to 13. But for today, we will focus just on six to nine-year-old. Hmm, right. Six to nine. You can see how this fits because as we enter elementary school, there is a broad range of industry skills that we begin to learn. You know, the basics, reading, writing, math, interpersonal games on the playground during recess, all the things. If we were lucky, we were also introduced to the creative arts through painting, drawing, maybe some music lessons. But unfortunately, the creative arts have taken a hit. They've become less common in public schools due to the pressures of, of standardized testing and budget constraints. But it's really quite a blow to children who excel in those areas of intelligence and expression. And if you think about it, the primary underlying purpose of public education in Western civilizations and one of the reasons it is funded by our tax dollars is to mold young people into citizens who value being industrious in order that they fit into society's employment needs as they become adults. It's a fairly rigid mold, and it was created for businesses after the Industrial Revolution. And if you don't excel in the industry of learning, and fitting into a new school environment with a predetermined structure and set of rules, the seeds of inferiority may begin to take root. There is one common schoolhouse practice that I hope has been banned at this point, but maybe not. It happened to me in kindergarten. As I mentioned last time, I felt pretty powerful as a four-year-old preschooler and discovered my lifelong love of learning. When I got to kindergarten, my teacher, Mrs. Brown, she seemed kind, but there were definite norms of behavior that we had to follow. I guess I didn't know them all because I ended up in the corner in front of the class with a big pointed dunce cap on mm. my head. I remember confusion more than shame because I really didn't know what I did wrong. I think I was talking to a friend or something like that when I should have been listening. Does that really make me a dunce? 
Did I deserve that as an energetic and excited young girl? The external judge and jury, Mrs. Brown, certainly thought so. Well, in Erickson's terms, if children do not learn the skills of the culture around them, they begin to face feelings of incompetence. Think about the early books many of us had when we learned to read. Dick and Jane and their dog Spot, a very white two-parent family in suburbia. Okay, but how are you supposed to emulate that experience as a child of color, a child of a single parent, a child with two moms or two dads? Does that make you inferior if you can't relate? As they say, perception is reality. So how you answered for yourself makes a difference. And the extent to which your parents and and other adult caregivers framed or maybe internalized that difference had an impact on you as a young child as well. If I'm a young child of color or from the, you know, the poor side of town or somehow perceived to be different from you, and I want to play with you after school, but your parents won't allow it because of my difference. Our budding friendship may be stopped before it even has a chance to grow. And both of us may feel that something is wrong with the other because our adult caregivers have sent a message that it is not right or safe to play together. Okay, now that we've looked a bit through this developmental lens of early elementary school, let's explore today's essential questions. As educators, Stacy and I offer these essential questions as a learning guide, you know, something specific to achieve or to, to understand during our time together. In this episode, our two essential questions are, one, how did the introduction of the outside world during early elementary school years influence or impact your inner judge or sense of self-worth? And two, How did your parents or caregivers react to the stories or situations you shared that made you feel uncomfortable? Now, luckily, my dunce cap experience with Mrs. Brown didn't shut me down completely, partly because I didn't think what I did was wrong and partly because I always excelled in school. So even if some teachers did not like some of my behaviors, they valued me because I was smart and industrious with all my schoolwork. So the negative consequence of the dunce cap didn't fit into my positive worldview of school. I think my little self was thinking she was having a bad day, not me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. A, A few minutes ago, we mentioned the value of arts education for children. And I was super fortunate to start taking piano when I was about seven years old. And every Saturday, I went to my piano teacher's house for lessons. She helped me learn to read music, to coordinate my little fingers to play notes, and I totally loved it. So feeling curious and industrious, I jumped ahead in the lesson book and I taught myself one of the songs because I'd heard my cousin playing it and it sounded so exotic. It had minor chords and, you know, dunk, 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 dunk. So I taught myself to play it by ear instead of from reading the notes. So what I actually did was transpose it into a different key. Nonetheless, I was super proud of myself. But when I went to play it for my teacher, she raked me over the coals. 
Basically, she said, how dare you? And proceeded to tell me that I had learned it all wrong because I wasn't playing it as written. Essentially, I wasn't coloring within the lines. You know, no kudos for my efforts or my musical curiosity. She just shut me down. Mm -mm. Yeah. And clearly, in my seven-year-old mind, I'd been bad. And already by that age, I was so invested in being a good girl that I didn't even tell my parents what had happened. Wow. You know, not telling your parents is unfortunately a common childhood decision because the internalized shame also cultivates fear of how your parents will react. You don't want to let them down. In addition to the eight life stages, Erickson outlined what he called virtues or golden nuggets of development that we gain when we go through each stage in a healthy way. And during the early elementary years of six to nine, the virtue we develop is skill or a sense of competence. Hmm. The importance assigned to our early competencies can vary greatly by culture. While children in industrialized societies learn their ABCs and their one, two, threes, certain indigenous children may learn how to plant and harvest crops or learn to hunt and fish for survival. So, really, in a nutshell, they begin to be productive members of their societies instead of just being another mouth to feed. How good they are at these tasks lays at the foundation for their self-esteem and how they feel about themselves. If you struggled in the early years of elementary school, you know, maybe you had an undiagnosed learning challenge like, like dyslexia, or maybe you had a hungry belly because your family didn't have enough money consistently for food, or you had a heightened sense of anxiety due to violence in your home or your neighborhood, your self-esteem could have been deeply affected because you could not produce. You know, you couldn't quickly or easily demonstrate certain competencies that the culture or your family wanted you to. This idea of feeling productive and feeling good enough lingers long, long into adulthood. Yeah, in fact, many people, including myself, have a hard time shutting down production, so to speak. And I just can't allow myself to simply be sometimes. I demonstrate this struggle every time I go in my backyard garden. Instead of simply soaking in the beauty of the outdoors, you know, living in the now, I feel compelled to weed unkempt areas, wash the birdbath, rake the leaves, or some other little task. I have to be very intentional to stop myself in order to enjoy the moment. And when I coordinated a volunteer parent mentor program, the idea of just being with a person rather than solving his or her problems was a struggle for many of the volunteers. They felt compelled to do something with or for the person rather than simply slow down and be with them. Meanwhile, the real value in the relationship was that the parent felt cared for, valued, and heard, sometimes for the first time in their lives. People in romantic relationships sometimes complain that partners don't listen to them because they share a problem and the other person wants to produce something by offering ways to solve the problem. Lovely, lovely um, intention, but why isn't that always helpful? Well, because the person sharing the issue may just want to be heard, may just need to have an ear 
to feel a sense of empathy coming his or her way. It's good practice not to offer solutions to other people's problems unless you specifically ask if that is what they would want. One of the most important skills we learn at a young age is how to navigate relationships with other people, be they adults or peers. And our ability to do this is one way we feel competent. So negative feedback or treatment by family members who claim to love us, teachers who are there to teach us, or other community people who are supposed to protect us, Well, it's particularly difficult for six or seven-year-olds because they are still sorting out how to understand conflicting emotions. Yeah, and as they continue to grow emotionally, this age group begins to recognize separate categories for positive and negative emotions. But typically, only if these emotions are exclusively positive or exclusively negative. This is one reason why young children don't understand physical or sexual abuse by a caregiver whom they say, whom they love, and they don't see it as wrong because the positive love and the negative abuse just don't make sense together. I can remember a time my dad was likely having a bad day. We were sitting at the dinner table and I was swinging my little legs back and forth pretty enthusiastically, and I kept whacking him in the shin. He told me to stop, but those swinging legs felt really, really good. So I I just didn't. And I whacked him again. And I likely whacked him again and probably again. But at some point, he got up from the table, went to the backyard. He got my jump rope and tied my legs to the chair. He was relieved and I was pissed. But the interesting thing is he told this story for years and years as an example of clever problem solving. Wow. It, it, yeah, it just, it just became a family story um, with no emotional load. And it wasn't until I was an adult years later when my therapist actually pointed out the flaws in this approach and said, your dad could have put your plate on your lap and just turned your chair in the opposite direction. It was like, I was struck by lightning. That was an absolute revelation to me. Mm -hmm. Gratefully, human development is a lifelong process of change and adaptation with the ability to improve with awareness, training, and practice. Whatever the circumstances of your personal life history, you can examine the past and move on to a different kind of future by looking within and committing to positive change. I don't particularly remember my parents' reactions, if any, to my time in the corner with the dunce cap, but I do suspect if they fed into it negatively, it would have left a deeper mark. An elderly wise mentor of mine shared a story recently about a bad interaction with a nun she had in her elementary school when she was five years old, and my mentor spelled the word dog incorrectly. The nun thought she was being contrary on purpose. She wasn't. She made a simple mistake as a little five-year-old child, and she ended up kicking the nun in the shin to stick up for herself. Now, we don't condone violence of any kind. Mm -hmm. The point is how her parents reacted to that situation by listening and understanding, rather than telling her that you must obey or adult or sister so-and-so is always right without question, which many people do. Mm -hmm. They did make her apologize for the kick. 
But then they took her out for ice cream afterwards. (laughs) What a great double learning for that little girl. First, that it's not right to kick, actually triple learning, that Mm -hmm. you can apologize when you do something wrong and that she can speak her truth and be heard. That's great. Absolutely. And that little girl drew up to be fierce. Yes, she did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's revisit this episode's two essential questions. Number one, how did the introduction of the outside world during early elementary school years influence or impact your inner judge or your sense of self-worth? And two, How did your parents or caregivers react to the stories or situations you shared that had made you feel uncomfortable? As you reflect more on our essential questions, we want you to know this. First, life experiences vary widely, and they are not universally safe for children. Unfortunately. Mm. Number two, how you internalized the judgments of others as a young child influences your self-esteem. It influences how you feel about yourself from that day forward. And three, although your history is your history, you always have the option. You have the freedom to choose how you want to carry it forward. It is your choice. There's a lot of power in that choice. Mm -hmm. So one of our core beliefs also is that self-awareness requires self-reflection. And to stimulate that process until the next podcast, think about your early elementary days before you felt judged or minimized by others in any way. What were you good at? What did you love to do? What did you wish to be when you grew up? Now imagine all the barriers to that wish are gone. Who are you before your inner judge began to grow? Think about that little person and start your autobiography from your child self's point of view. What's the title? What are some things you accomplished or loved about your life? Pick up a pen, pencil, crayon, or marker and begin to write your story. And if you want some structure for your work, check out the My Autobiography outline at our website, personalpowercommongood.com, for a simple graphic to get you started. Hmm. Our second core belief is the importance of self-care. Listeners, we're walking through potentially tender territory here. Thinking deeply about your life, cultivating more self-awareness, it can bring up some uncomfortable feelings, and you need to take care of you along the way. (laughs) This may seem counterintuitive, more like giving care to someone else, but hear me out. In the next 24 hours, call someone you love, someone important to you, and tell them why you value them. Tell them the qualities, the characteristics that you that you that you love, that you admire, that you enjoy about them. Maybe end with, I don't say this enough, and I I just wanted you to know. This isn't fishing. You're not looking for reciprocity here. This is an opportunity to lean into the joyful parts of your autobiography and spread a little love. Then notice how it makes you feel. That just reminded me of something my dad used to do. He'd call me up out of the blue and start singing, 
I just called to say I love Aww. you. Yeah. Nice. I'd forgotten about that. Wonderful. And toward the end of each episode, we share ways you can pay it forward to become a positive catalyst for a happier, better, and more loving world, one person at a time. Today's suggestions on how to be a positive influencer of personal power for elementary age children are one, listen to your child when he or she comes home with a story about something bad that happened in school or in the neighborhood. Believe him or her. Ask how you can help. They may just want you to listen. Be your child's ally. Number two, do not tell children to blindly obey what adults tell them to do. This can be dangerous. Humans question and have a varying perspective on any situation. Which is a positive life skill for sure. Absolutely. And if you live in a state in the United States or another country that still allows corporal punishment in school, do what you can to end that policy. Make it clear to school officials that no one is allowed to hit, spank, paddle, or whip your child. If that behavior was done to an adult, it would be called assault and battery. If you take a step toward the common good... If you have a eureka moment in your self-care or in your role as a positive influencer, tell us about it. Drop us a note at personalpowercommongood.com. We love hearing from you. We really do. (laughs) Your thoughts matter and your words matter. You matter. And as part of every episode, we share some words of wisdom from someone who inspires us. This episode honors the words of Maddie J.T. Stepanek. I will read a piece of his poem, which is called About Things That Matter. It matters that the world knows we must celebrate the gift of life every day in some way. And we must always remember to play after every storm. It matters that the world knows all children are truly blessed with the innocent gifts of gentleness trust, and compassion, which should guide the wisdom of grownups. Very wise for a little boy. wise young man, young mind. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. Listeners, that's a wrap on the fifth episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. We hope you'll join us next time when we'll continue examining this particular stage of human development with a focus on 10 to 12-year-olds. And we'll frame the conversation with these essential questions. What effects did the onset of puberty have on your life? And number two, how has the development of technology and social media accelerated adult themes in the lives of older school-aged children? And hey, thanks for listening. If thoughts have popped up that you'd like to share, if you have any questions, or there's something you'd like to learn more about, Please, we want to know. Hmm. Contribute to the discussion board at personalpowercommongood.com, where all episodes are stored. And please help us spread the word about our podcast. Listeners can find all episodes on our website, on Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite platforms. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. We appreciate you, and we look forward to our ongoing and ever-evolving conversation 
on personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world 